All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be in your business life or personal life, that requires you to create change. I think we all can agree we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us, they are definitely not just salespeople by trade. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang. So I am so excited for the next guest of this podcast. This is going to be an episode we talk to someone in sales, trained sales person, give it some context to this discussion. And this dude, he is commonly known as the copier warrior, is the appointed leader and founder of the Sales Rebellion. He's born and raised in Orlando, Florida, right down the road, down I-40. He's got a sales background that dates back all the way to his childhood. We'll talk about that. He was raised wandering the halls of his father's business, but it's been a full-time sales professional for 13 years. You know, he now provides sales training through his firm, The Sales Rebellion, and he challenges the status quo. He was also a real faces of sales by LinkedIn in 2019. He's audacious with his outreach, intentional with his sales rock and walk and driven to create a community of sales professionals that cause undeniable curiosity and true impact in their walk with prospects and clients alike by teaching the masses how to choose the legendary in their sales career. No longer will the mediocre rule throughout our profession. It's time for a sales rebellion to rise. Please give a round of applause and welcome Dale Dupree to the podcast. Welcome, Dale. Yeah, that might have been the most epic intro I've ever had on a podcast ever. And I've done 160 something odd. Okay. Podcast now in the last okay. year. Okay, so, so if you know, we, we accomplish nothing else and provide no other useful info, I'll take that yeah. award all day long. Sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously though, thank you, and I will be your hype man anywhere. I will sign up. Sweet. For Done. So, why I wanted to bring you on the title of the podcast, "Stories of Selling Human." I really believe being just a great person, great dude, a great human being can help any person just connect to others, get others to listen to you, get people to get drawn into you. You don't even need a sales technique necessarily. Yes, you know, there's fundamentals and sales techniques to sales, but the best people I feel like are just great people. Best sales people are just great people. And I got drawn to you, yes, because of your techniques, but more so just that I knew you genuinely cared and you were invested in literally every single person you met, (laughs) even in those small interactions, you know, just hearing you on podcasts, you go deep. We'll talk a lot about that today. So my first question for you, Dale, is just about you and being a a great human. So it's kind of a two-parter. So it is, what do you think makes a great human being a great person? And why do you think others might view you like myself? Why do you think others? Because I'll tell you, I I just told you kind of what what I thought about you. Why do you think others might view you as a great human or great person? That's hard, like to tell you guys and girls 
why I think other people might look at me as a great person. That's pretty difficult. Dude. Yeah. That, okay. That might be a like little self-serving. So maybe you take the first one. What makes you a great human? What makes a great person in your mind, a great human? I, yeah, I can do that one. Cause that one always goes back to my dad and Alex, you and I share co- the commonality of having just an absolute fan style love for our fathers. So I look at my dad and I think, well, I wish there were more people like, <laughs> you know, like, not to sound like there, you know, that there's not as if there's not, cause there are, but I just wish there was more of them in my life more than anything. You yeah. know, he, he yeah. stood out so yeah. intensely in my walk. It was hard to say that this person reminds me of my dad. Now there are people <laughs> that, that I, I feel that way about and it. It starts with their character, you know, so good character. When you're around somebody and you can just tell that their character is, is impressing on you in regards to the way that they think, they talk, they act, they walk from a selfless perspective, that of a servant leader. I believe that those are, those are the core principles of any right you know, individual when it comes to their growth inside of business, inside of their regular walk around the corner you know, and meeting the neighbors. I mean, a lot of times we disconnect those things. You know, we think business has to be, you have to be successful over here in business and then you can be successful over here in your life walk, right? When people blur that line and they become a servant leader just in everything that they do, whether it's, you know, grabbing a piece of trash out of somebody's yard when they're, you know, stumbling past it or do going above and beyond in the, in the midst of, you know, a customer experience, you know, whether it's a fulfillment or a sale itself or whatever that looks like. I believe that that's what makes men and women great and stand out from the pack. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'll say it because I, I want to really connect. I think you're a great person because you are real. I think that statement, you know, just we are connected to people who are real, who are honest, who are, aren't afraid to be vulnerable, and they don't care about being judged and they don't judge others. So, you know, you talked about my dad and how, you know, we connected over that. I mean, you know, I recently lost my dad. And I mean, fresh, raw, like I'm like in the midst of grieving where every day I'm like, am I doing this right? I don't know what to do some days. And other days I'm just, you know, people say you you go on with your life and, you, you know, sometimes you want closure. But I also think that human beings can live with so many different emotions. Like we have the capacity to, to live with love and joy and grief, you know, at the same time. They're intertwined. And so I'm kind of involved in that. And, but my question was kind of around just being real. Like my dad, like he always wanted to really know your story. And he always, you know, really kind of saw people, whoever they were for this complete version of themselves. And he thought we were all connected in a way, like he believed in his statement was like the interconnected web of existence that we're all a part, right? Like every human being on this planet is connected. We don't think we are because we don't know them personally, but we are, we're all connected by this shared experience. So, you know, where do you think, and I'll say just for you, what guides you in your day-to-day interactions? When you say like every day I want to, you know, make an impact. And I really think deeply about my interactions. Like what guides you in that path of, of knowing people that deeply? Yeah, I think it's an inherent nature around just who I am as, a, as somebody that exists on this earth. 
And to dive deeper into that, I'll start with, you know, the example, again, of my father growing up, of him showing compassion and love toward others. People that, that were not of the same skin color as me, of the same sex as me, of the same circles as me. I watched him treat everybody exactly the same. A very, I had a very colorblind upbringing because of my father. When I was starting to be introduced to things like racism and just the idea in general that people can be treated differently for not being the same as you. I remember always just kind of finding that to be ignorant in general as a child, which you know, led, and I, I don't need to get off track here, but it led to a, a pretty dark place for me because I became a defender, as my, my dad liked to say, like, all sticks up for people, but and I became violent <laughs> through it as well, too. And, and there were some other things that happened in my life that, that caused me to go down that path. But, you know, when I heard about an incident you know, happening where somebody was disrespected because of who they were. It was, you know, fists up and it wasn't pretty, bro. But I came back to a place of love as I got older and, and really it was through death. It was through losing people. And when I started to realize just like how much power we have as humans during our walk on this earth. And so that takes me also back to my spiritual walk as well too. And even the existence of the, of the sales rebellion, bro, which is that, you know, it was our mission to tear down castles and to build a kingdom. And, and our, our whole existence revolves around that. So what drives me on a daily basis, dude, is Jesus. That's my guy. And so when I look at like even the example of my father and just how bold he was in his faith, even, it was one of those things where you could be in a room full of people that did not agree or believe in what you believed, but you would walk out after my dad spoke about his faith. Mm. Man, there is something here that I just need to understand a little bit differently. Wow. even. Yeah. to get some clarity for myself, but it was impactful. It could move mountains the way that my father would, would speak, you know, in regards to his faith and regards to his walk. And I think when you can intertwine those things, especially as you're going through just the normal motions of life, right? Just like I experienced myself through going through times of, of hatred and anger inside of this man, this, this guy that you know, Alex, that is like the biggest teddy bear you've ever met in your, in your life, right? Because I've denounced those things throughout my upbringing and throughout the process of knowing thyself better. Because I think that at the core of it, that's what it is. It's just knowing thyself. You're really making me think of a lot of things. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. It's, I, I like it. On, on, it's the coffee, bro. It's the it's coffee. The co- <laughs> I need to get some. So a lot of people don't know this. I don't know what you want to call it, but my dad is mixed. Both of his parents, he was a, you know, you look at him, most people would think he's white, but he had an Afro. And both of his parents were light-skinned. My grandmother was so light-skinned, she passed for being white in the 1940s. My grandfather was so light-skinned, but he was visibly black. So in D.C., my dad could go to restaurants with my, my grandmother, but not his grandfather. He could go to pools with my grandmother, but not his grandfather. He, my grandmother had to get the uh, lease on their house or the mortgage on their home from the bank because they wouldn't give it to black people. My grandfather was a, you know, one of the first black doctors in DC. And I just found that this out at the end of his life that they brought in children from the neighborhood because black children couldn't get seen at hospitals, at ma- major hospitals. So the only places they could get seen was in houses. So my dad's house, my childhood, my dad's childhood home was a doctor's office where kids were just flooding in and out. And they had mother goose rhymes on the basement walls. And get this, he put them with black children, drew them with black children to make people feel at home. So he always grew up with that love. 
And you, you mentioned that like at a young age, like you feel like anger, but you know, it's powerful when you can disagree with somebody, you know, even in disagreeing with religion, but if someone's leading out of a place of true care and, and love, like what's possible. So I feel like that's what you do. That's why I wanted you to dig into kind of how you lead with that and kind of the change that you feel like is possible when people lead out of that place. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's this whole concept of what do you prefer and, you know, and, and how people lead with expectations, right. As well too. And, and laying those things aside and just understanding that the things that we would all prefer is just to be loved at its core. Right. And the things that we would all prefer is to be respected at its core. And a lot of the things that we choose to take a hard stance on though, when it comes to our walk, because of the way that politics are so divisive and the way that even some religious beliefs can be so, mm-hmm. div- because we take something so literally and we create an expectation around them, instead of understanding that we are just fragile things that come from the dirt, that are sacks of meat walking around this earth, right? Like, I mean, I, I like to put it into perspective Dust. for myself like that as much as possible because it helps me to remember that I am, I am nothing at the end of the day. And, and because of that, it, I have no right over another man, another woman. I have no say over their life, but I can speak into it. And that's how I look at it is that anytime Ooh, I have interesting. to to be a part of that success to any capacity, I go for it. Like I'm like white on rice with that, bro. Like you know, when someone says, I've been thinking about this, I like, I go through every memory <laughs> going, I've got a, a, you're just boom activated. You know? <laughs> my brain works in a fun way too. I'm a, I'm a little bit of, there's not a lot of us on this earth, I should say, where I have a photographic memory, which is interesting too, because I also, because of the trauma in my life, especially things like losing my best friend to a car accident, losing my dad to cancer. And bro, to say it just for the record on this podcast, even that I'm extremely sorry about your father. I appreciate you sharing that, especially being like right in the midst of it, you know, ha- have because it really has. It's tough. It's not easy to talk about. And it took me, you know, I, I spent the next day after I, I was with my father when he passed, I spent the next day on Facebook talking about it and basically telling people, you know, don't bother me. <laughs> for like yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. But yeah. because it takes time to grieve over those things. And I, when we come to those realizations, when we're in those places, I think is when, I hate to say it this way, but it's when we're at our best because we finally for a moment get a glimpse of what life is. It's a humbling time. It's like you sit back and you're like, I just lost everything. Yeah, you know, when I thought of losing my dad, I thought that's it. That's everything. You know, and I, had a, I have a wife and I now have a son you know, that my father didn't get to meet. You know, I have a, a whole entire legacy that I have to live out. Sure. You know, and so it's a lot of weight on your shoulders. It's a lot. It's emotionally, it's a lot. But in the moment, I just thought, this is it. Like, what do you do now? And so I, I applaud you for your just being brave in the moment and, and, and connecting because it, it's about like what you've experienced is what, <clears throat> what, is what grounds other people to help them to see what really matters as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dale. I find that just talking about, I've never had somebody close to me pass away, let alone my father, you know, like, so I'm struggling. I, I think about it every day and I'm sure you do. I mean, it's years later. I feel like, uh, you know, I mentioned it was a couple of years ago, 
but you know, and, and sometimes I've, I've, I've heard people say, you know, yeah, my, my wife passed away 30 years ago or 40 years ago, but I feel, I think about her every day and I, and I think, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy who's a wreck, but you know what? That guy's not a wreck. He can live a successful life by still, you know, if you didn't love the person, you wouldn't think about him every day. So it's okay to think about him every day. And when I talk about him, I feel better. And, and sometimes I cry and, and I don't know if I will on this, this thing, but I laugh because, you know, there's so many great times and, you know, we'll have this ceremony where I probably will cry a lot and there's a lot and it's okay and it'll be okay. But I feel like talking about him helps heal. You said something that kind of stuck with me. You know, I can, I can speak into someone's life, but it's not my job to like necessarily, I feel like almost change them. You can speak into their, their life. You can't, you know, change their life. I want, wonder if you could maybe dig into that because a lot of people, you know, if you're in a, in a discussion, maybe you're trying to change someone's opinion. Maybe you're trying to, you know, change someone's idea of where we should go out tonight. Maybe you're somewhere, you know, I mean, every relationship, husband and wife, you know, biggest fights have started because you're trying to change the person. So <laughs> yes. how, how do you go about speaking into someone's life, but not necessarily trying to ultimately force or change their life? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a simple equation, dude. But it starts with where it really starts is for me is it starts with my core understanding of life and which goes back again to everything we just talked about, the examples that were set before me, the things that I witnessed, you know, growing up, the things that I watched take place and unfold before me. So a lot of it has to do with aptitude and experience. You know, that's street smart. A lot of people don't put themselves in enough situations where they get to make tough choices or be a part of a tough choice in the first place. You know, because a lot of times when we get into a tough choice situation, we do what we think is best without any experience in some cases. You know, a lot of times we do not depend on the community around us. When we're young, you know, we focus and rely more on ourselves than anything else. You know, we think, I got this, I can do this, nobody cares as much as me. And that used to be one of my best sayings. And I believe it to be the truth, that nobody cares as much as you. But as I got older, I put a little caveat to that and started saying, except for me, at the end of it. Mm. Deciding that if nobody cares as much as me, then I need to show them how much I care, right? Because I do care (laughs) and, and set that example. And so the simple equation, though, comes down to this for everybody listening. Meet people where they are. And if you can really grasp that concept, and I mean, just the power behind it, bro, you'll go to another place. You know, I've been on the phone with, with men that were suicidal and, you know, threatening to take their own life. And by no means am I condoning anybody listening right now, trying to be a therapist, you know, or save the day in the of something like that happening. But when you have choices sometimes, and when someone's on the phone saying, you know, hey, I need to talk and this is why, step up and don't be selfish about it either. Meet them where they're at. And by doing these types of things, you know, you'll, you'll have breakthroughs for yourself as well too. But active listening, you know, is part of that process. Not having a preference, not having an expectation in those moments and just being there alongside these people. I like to always equate it to, there's a friend of mine in the sales world, actually, that's a Muslim. And so you would think that a Christian and a Muslim, like, you know, hold <laughs> Walking around and being, and being buddies is yeah, in right. the history of uh, religion. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, that's not supposed to happen. But I consider him one of my brothers. I would take a bullet for that guy. That's for most people, I guess. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's not let, saying much. Let, no, me, no. let me say so, let me say it a little bit differently. Like when I say I love that man, I mean it. Like I'll yeah, be it. Yeah. 
yeah. and, I, and I hope to meet his family one day. And I, I, you know, I hope to be there for his kids. I hope to be able to tell them what an awesome person that their dad was at some, I hope that for him, I pray those things over him, but awesome. you know, having someone like that in your life, you know, you would also think that as a Christian or as a Muslim, that one of us would just be constantly trying to convert each other, but we <laughs> other where we are and yeah. we respect what it is that's going on in each other's lives. And because of it, we help one another to become better. It's awesome. I was listening to a TED Talk. I'm going to have to put the person's name in the show notes. I, I don't remember, but it was about loss and grief and closure. And at the end, she said, you know, the exact same thing, meet people where they are, kneel down, and then look around and kind of see what's there. And then just listen. And don't, you know, think you need to get them, bring them back up. Don't think you need to, you know, make them better, but just listen and be there. And then when they're ready, reach out your hand, when and if, when and if, reach out your hand and be the person to take them back up. But so yeah, so you know, I, I totally agree. So powerful because sometimes we try to meet people where we think they need to be, where we want them to be instead of where they actually are. Yes. Okay. So kind of transition just, you know, kind of in your, you know, sales career, because I feel like you're really, really great. You always say things like, you know, I mean, it's a cliche, but you know, people buy from people. It's not just business. It's not only business. So how do you view being just a genuine person in business? And I guess the question is, what would you say to those people that are like, yeah, that doesn't belong in business being so soft or vulnerable? Yeah. I think that the word business is a cop-out in general. <laughs> it's an easy way for them to just get away with whatever they want mm. Mm. because business is looked at in most cases as slimy and sharky and scummy. You know, people sit back and they say, no, you can't, you can't talk about your God in a sales meeting. <laughs> I call bullshit on that, bro. And I, hopefully we can say that on the show, but Go ahead, I yeah. call it hard because you know, that same person that says that you can't do that is cheating on their wife. They're stealing money from the company, you know, sticking it in an offshore bank account, you know, it has a 501c3, you know, put together so that their taxes are lower, you know, even though they vote for high tax, you know, politicians, it's insane. It's insanity is what it is, right? So I call bullshit and it's a, it's a total cop out when people say business is business or be business professional or dress business casual. I just sit back and I think you're all lying to yourselves about all this because deep down inside there's a broken human behind these things. Right. And that's a, a, a war cry of the, of the sales rebellion, too. We tell leaders, bring us your lost and your broken and your weary, you know, and we will breathe life back into them. And sometimes nice. the leader people get to, like, whoa, like, hey, yeah. I wasn't trying to like go to church. <laughs> Damn, Dale. Yeah, I just want to like, I just want to raise revenue 5%. <laughs> you've never, you've never <clears throat> seen revenue raised when you have people inside of it at the numbers that it can when you have people inside of your organization that believe in themselves and that know thyself. And that mix, mingle their personal life into their business life that are not ashamed of who they are back at home, that are not afraid to proclaim what it is that they believe. You've never seen anything like it. You've never seen a copier guy go from nothing to a million dollars a year in net new business year over, year over, year over, year over with a high grade of, a, of GP in there as well too that I just you know, don't see the need to talk about. However, it was a lot. <laughs> and you've been and, successful. Yeah. yeah cr crushing, cr 
crushing your quota, right, is loving your community, is nurturing your buyer, is meeting people where they are. And this is my always my favorite thing to kind of relate back is that in business, people put up objections with their walls. Like, and really in their personal life, something has happened to them that, mm-hmm. that doesn't allow them to let you in. And maybe it's something that happened in business that they took personally, right? You know, that mm-hmm. just business, yeah, you know, yeah, guess yeah. what guys, you can hurt people through business. So hell yeah. when you look at it from that perspective of, you know, things start to normalize, you know, and, and so whenever somebody was throwing up objections to me, instead of, you know, my book of 100 ways how to counter it, I, again, I followed them. I actively listened. I met them where they were and I treated them like a human being. And in the process of that, I became a legendary copier warrior that, it was buried when the sales rebellion was born a year ago, but you know, he still haunts the, the halls of copier companies every once in a while. So, but I, I think that's the bottom line to it is that business, business is a cop out. Wow. I like that framework. You know, what tips, what things would you tell people? Let's talk about the non-sales person. You know, they're not in sales. They think sales is like you said, slimy, icky. They have this bad view of it, but yet they still will be in situations where they have to, you know, create change. Maybe they're in a situation where they, you know, they're looking for something to happen. They're having a conversation where they're trying to lead someone as a certain way. Maybe lead isn't the right word, but what advice do you have for the non-sales person to convince them that, that, hey, you actually do have the capacity to be good at sales by being human? What things should they concentrate on? I think everybody is in sales, right? You're right. Yeah. Um, My my book, my book coming out, Yeah, right. My book coming out, How to Start a Sales Rebellion, Tales of the Copier Warrior. We even put inside of the book, we put that we believe that everybody is in sales and we and we exploit. And I, I do have another idea for a book that I'm going to start working on. It kind of ties into all this. I'm not going to say it now because I don't want somebody to hear it and be like, I'm going to beat you to it. <laughs> That's already happened to me a couple of times in the last couple of really? years. Oh, like sharing ideas. I've, I've literally seen other people come out with my ideas That's... before me. I'm like, whoa. I always, I always think like that's stupid because if they really had your idea, like even if you told it to them, they wouldn't have the chops to really do your idea where it would be. You know what? And Um, you're right. Most don't. So like the way that they did that, that it's, it wasn't, it was half-assed. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't care in that case. And I'm going to just say that the book is titled, everybody hates salespeople. (laughs) You go into the whole concept behind what I just stated, which is that a janitor sells cleanliness a teacher sells structure, you know, a, a broker sells a network, right? We sell everything. Everything is being sold, even buy or sell, right? Buy or sell themselves. You know, so yeah. it's yeah. a big picture perspective, right? So I, I'm going to give you a slight challenge on that. So like, I totally agree with the, you know, we are all in, in sales concept, but I was in a conversation with somebody about this whole podcast and idea in the book, you know, to sell as human by Dan Pink. And that's kind of what inspired me to do this. And how really he found that everybody in the workplace is doing things that, you know, sell or you do things where you're selling others. But he said he called it something different, moving others, persuading, convincing and influencing others. And I, I just think, you know, sales, the term is so loaded. You know, it's not about the term. It's about the outcome you're looking for. And when you say we're all in sales, some people get nervous, like I'm not in sales, like I may sell. You know, somebody said the quote to me, you know, we all sell. It's just salespeople that realize it or something like that. So maybe we're not all in it, in sales, but we all sell. You know, do you think that people, you know, just can't realize it? Is that the biggest thing that they think that that they don't want to accept it, that, hey, we're in it? 
Yeah, I think it's a good look, like from a different angle, right? The, here's what I would say is that stop being so afraid of words, right? Yeah, like, yeah I agree. Word. So people are so scared of the word cold call inside of sales. Like if they feel like yeah. it's it, they'll be hated forever on LinkedIn, right? You know, like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care yeah. what other people think because it is about the intention. And you're right. Like sales is the result. And people don't realize that. Sure. And because of it, it causes, you know, people to look at it differently. This goes back to the beginning of our conversation. This is where you find consistency inside of Dale's message always because of my photographic memory. Right. But, but yeah. <laughs> like a movie reel, sometimes I tell people it like, kind of goes like this. But anyway, so this is where it comes back to the concept of expectations. If you sit back and say, I expect sales to be like this, you ruin it for yourself. And you subsequently ruin it for other people as well too, right? That's why we, we are trying to just kill the stereotype behind it. All these people coming out and look, mad respect for salespeople, mad respect for sales leadership, mad respect for thought leadership. The guy that you just talked about, about you know, sales is more of a movement. But listen, the sales rebellion is a movement, right? But we have the word sales inside of our walk because it is still a reality that sales yes. is the best, right? So for 100%. me, just people just stepping out of their own way, once again, like, and making sure that they sit in a place of no expectations and to say, sales is sales, guys, just get over it. And the people that do it bad, yeah. Just like there are humans that have done life incredibly wrong as well, too. You know, we can yeah. name them right now on this podcast, but I don't want to get, you know, thrown under a bus by naming some of them just out of humor alone and then, you know, getting slapped by a bunch of people on LinkedIn. So any, I digress, but coming back to sales and the idea that everybody does it is, is just a reality. I agree. If you want 100%. to get some other name, cool. But yeah. you know what? Like, that's just going to cause other people to look at it differently too. And then they're I going to be sales in the first place. You know, I was starting the podcast. You know, when you start a podcast, you write down all the, the lists of your titles. And I had 30 or so. I know I'm not going to name them all here. There were some, some clunkers. <laughs> but there was one, you know, I was like, maybe it's humans of work moving others. Or it was like, I didn't want to put sales in it because I didn't want to compete with all the other sales podcasts. And I, I want to be a totally different podcast than a sales podcast. But when I really went back to it, I'm like, this is a sales podcast and I'm okay with it being that. It's also a podcast about the word human. And I had to put the word human in it because I feel like all humans do it and you can sell yourself. You can sell your personality. You can, you know, Everything in life, there's so many different things that people do that are it. And I said, I need to put it in there, but I also need to put the word human in it. So, you know, stories of selling human, fitting title and fitting end. Okay. So Dale, I could totally talk to for the whole morning and have a good day, (laughs) but Dale probably has a, if I know him blocked off day already till like eight at night. So I'm going to end off on a fun question because I think this is all sales all, is all about individuals and humans and unique people. So I want to learn something fun about Dale that we may have never have learned on his hundred or so podcasts. So my question is, what is something or a situation that you've put yourself in that would only and could only happen to Dale Dupree? Oh my God, that's a terrible question to ask. <laughs> All right, you maybe. Ask the, you, ask the hard, you ask the hard questions. I like it. So Makes you think I've stumped a couple people. Let me say, I've yeah, stu- me, I'm going to interrupt sure you. I, st- yeah, go ahead. Please interrupt me. Okay, no. I was just going to say, like, just something crazy you've done, like a crazy story about yourself that would only, like, when you think about it, it's like, damn, you know what? Shit, that would only happen to me. Or that's a crazy situation that nobody in the world 
would put themselves in or something about me that is unlike anyone else. I mean, I know a few, like you were in a death metal band, you made tons of money, you know, with that, you, you hung out with like celebrities, you know, I don't know, like just crazy stuff about you. I, I probably, there's others I can't really think of right now, but maybe I need to ask it a different way because I've stumped a couple. No, you, you got the question, right? It's more or less the perception of it, right? Like I didn't, okay. <laughs> straight to negative things right i was like okay yeah oh yeah yeah that could like yeah. I don't, oh my god i don't know that i can share it oh no no yeah okay yeah you're, but you're of right. course i can share it right and yeah, I yeah but it's yeah. like is your show rated r plus, <laughs> plus you know like that might need to be where we go with this but okay i'll think about how i, I work something okay. that only dale can put himself into a situation at. like i'm a bold person right and so i remember Specifically, when I was in to relate it back to my business walk and how I tie it into my personal life, I remember the first time I ever sat with a, a very large and very well known, I should say, not large because he's not a large person, but a very well known CEO, not just in the area here in Central Florida, but he's known throughout the world. And nice. And a lot of people would be intimidated by somebody like that, but I just, you know, like I showed up different. I looked different. I acted different. I had all my funny marketing stuff. I mean, people thought it was just nuts. Like this guy's not going to like any of these things. Well, I guess I kind of just reminded him of his kids to some extent. Right. And, and because of it, we hit it off and we're hanging out. The fun part was, is that it was one of those things where you're texting people saying, you'll never guess what I'm doing right now. <laughs> So and sick. but I've and I didn't like take a bunch of video and a bunch of pictures. I just enjoyed it. There is a, there's a great picture out there roaming the internet of of one incident. But I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time with this person, and so I, I took something from what would have just been a transaction in a business meeting. And before you know it, like <laughs> we're in all kinds of terrible places doing all kinds of terrible things. And I'm not talking strip clubs or anything, guys. I'm talking like going to a steakhouse with like shorts on and <laughs> and literally. Like making the people there feel so bad, like hats and shorts, making the people there feel so bad about not letting us in because of the dress code and then eventually letting us in and then just making a total ass of ourselves, you know, at dinner and doing terrible things. And then, and then going around and, and like meeting the other celebrities that are there, you know, kind of thing, like the local ones and the national. But he had the clout to do that. I, Tiger <laughs> Woods was there that night, actually, before oh his big sex scandal. Goodness. It was a lot of fun. We, we had a lot of fun. Like, but again, like things that could only happen to me, right? Where... <laughs> you know, I, I came home at like 11 o'clock at night that night. It was just like, babe, you never guess. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that story. Dale. I, I think I that I have a, I think that I have a lot of those. And the reason that I, I just kind of tell a glimpse of that is because it's happened to me so much. Cause you just talked about it all the time that I spent on tour with my band, you know, all the time that I've spent doing things outside of the realm of just what a normal salesperson would do in general or a normal person would do in general. I always put myself into a position to be able to, have new experiences, meet new people. And I take the, you know, that's what I, that really, I tell that little glimpse of that story because people need to understand that all they need to do is take the risk and they can do anything that they want. You know, I never thought that I'd be sitting in my childhood home that my father, you know, raised me in that he sold after he died that I bought, <laughs> you know, and being in a place of comfort and running my own business. And, and it, so if you take all those things that I also never thought that I would have toured the entire United States in a band on Warner Brothers music group, right? And all these different things. At the end of the day, what I love about your question is that we are all so unique in our walk and we have the ability to show it every moment and every chance that we get, yet we choose mediocrity constantly. And so I would also pose a challenge to every guest that comes on after me and every single listener that's, that's tuned in today to choose legendary and to make the choices that are tough, 
to make the choices that might not seem normal in some cases as well too, and to go above and beyond in your, in your life walk so that you too can have the kind of stories that only Dale could have, right? Let's all have those. Why not is what I think. Why not, Dale? <laughs> don't squander it. And they don't have to be, you don't think life doesn't necessarily have to be some epic story you're, you know, you think you need to write for yourself. You can find epic stories in little things day to day if you yes, are you open to it and, and don't squander it and don't settle for mediocrity. So, Dale, thank you, man. I'm with you. I'm with you yeah. in changing the game. So, man, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, from jumping on this thing, and I hope, you know, if we touch one person with what you're talking about, it's a win. You definitely did it with me. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Dale. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.